Amen. All right. Notice in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1, it says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might bear well, might well bear with him. So note in this passage, we're being warned about things that will corrupt us from the simplicity that's in Christ. In other words, corrupt our minds, cause us to maybe complicate salvation a little bit and make it more difficult than it should be. You know, he said that they would deceive you with subtlety. You know, that they would, and that these people that are going to deceive them are going to be preaching, he says, another Jesus. And you know what? You hear a lot of preaching about another Jesus. We believe the term Antichrist. It means another Christ. And we know now there are many Antichrists. That was said in 1 John. And one of these days, the Antichrist is going to come along. Somebody who claims to be God and who, who is not. So we all, you hear a lot of preaching about another Christ. You hear a lot of preaching about, you know, warning you about those who would say they are Christ and obviously are not. We hear a lot about that. You hear a lot of preaching, warning against another gospel. Okay, We know that there is only one gospel. There only ever has been one gospel. And another gospel is a gospel that adds works to salvation. or That adds works to faith. That is another gospel. We, you know, we talk a lot about that and we warn about another gospel and we'll warn about those who preach another Jesus or another gospel, but we don't often talk about how they sell these counterfeits. Okay? There, there's ways they do it. They use subtlety. They're tricky. A lot of them look like us. They talk like us. They use King James Bibles. You know, they call themselves Baptists. But the Bible says these people are going to come. And there's reason. There's many false prophets that are gone out in the world. And these people, they sell the way they sell this false gospel, the way they sell this false Christ is with something else that you don't hear a whole lot of preaching about. And that is another spirit. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is the title of my message is another spirit. Because this is how they sell it. They use a spirit just like we are sold the gospel. We are sold Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. This false gospel, this uh, uh, false Christ, it's sold by another spirit. It's sold by a false spirit, by an unholy spirit. And so you understand that the Holy Spirit is what God uses to draw people to salvation. The Holy Spirit, it points people to Christ. And you know when we give the gospel, we want to have the power of the Holy Ghost of God when we're doing that because that is the main thing that we need to sell what we're trying to sell. I guess I shouldn't use the term sell, seeing that salvation's free. But the point we're trying to get across it, it, we've got to have the help of the Holy Ghost, don't we? That's the main selling point. And the way that people are being deceived with another Christ and with another gospel is there is another spirit that is being used to sell this. And many churches today, we see a strong focus on the Holy Spirit. But the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is supposed to have preeminence in the church. That's very clear in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. It says... And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning from the firstborn from the dead, that in all things 
he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him. I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, Jesus Christ is the focal point of the church. He is the head of the church in him. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. I mean, he is the main thing that we focus on. And obviously the Holy Spirit plays a part. But the Holy Spirit is always, and we're going to see some scripture on this, is always going to point people to Jesus. But what is it you hear being talked about in a lot of these churches, especially your charismatic churches? They're always talking about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the main focal point. The main symbol you'll see in a lot of these churches, it's the dove, you know, which is pictured, you know, they, they use that as a kind of a symbolic of the Holy Ghost. But you know what? Let me ask you, you know, what is wrong with a service being led by the Holy Ghost? You ever heard these preachers? You know, we won't be led out of the Holy Ghost. You know, we're not going to use a bulletin there just, you know, writing the Holy Ghost right out of the service. We're going to be led to the Holy Ghost. Is there anything wrong with being a church service being led by the Holy Ghost? Absolutely not. You know, it, what's wrong with us just getting out of the way and letting the Holy Spirit have His way in the church? I mean, would we not be for that? Would we not be for the Holy Ghost running this service and having His way in everything that's done? But here's the question. You know, what do you imagine the church service turning into if that were to take place? Alright? And you don't have to answer it, but just be honest with yourself right now. If you know all of a sudden, well, if, if, if just all of a sudden the Holy Ghost took over and He ran the service, what do you think would start happening? And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking people are going to be running, swinging from the rafters, and everybody's going to be shouting and, and screaming and all that stuff. That's what we're probably thinking because that is what we hear all the time. Whenever you hear these preachers and these churches where the focus is on the Holy Ghost, you know, their definition of, you know, Holy Ghost run service is that very thing. A service that's got all kinds of craziness going on. And, you know, so, the, you know, the truth is many times we'll hear people say these phrases and, you know, they are there when they talk about the Holy service, Holy Ghost taking over the service, you know, they're talking about a lot of excitement. They're talking about, you know, men running, women screaming, tears flowing. That's what they're talking about. And most church services are not like that. And I'm not saying that it's never wrong to get excited, or that it's always wrong to get excited, or you never should get excited in church. You ought to get excited in church. I don't think there's anything wrong with shouting and saying amen. I don't think it's wrong for us to have a little bit of excitement in church. I think we ought to be allowed to get a little excited. And if you all want to say amen every now and then, it's not going to offend me one bit. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But you know, We've all seen the things, though, it's like, man, looks like somebody's kind of crossing a line here. I've been in some of the services before where it was exciting, and then it went from exciting to weird, to, to real weird. And I, I've seen some crazy things in services. I've seen, you know, piano players in the middle of a special just stop singing, stop playing, and start screaming. Screaming! Not a happy scream, you know? A horror movie scream. I mean, it's it. I don't know. As a kid, I, I all my dad used to always talk about you know some of these camp meetings where people would run, and I always wanted to see somebody run a lap in a, in a service, and I didn't see that for a long time. Then I remember finally we were at a meeting, and sure enough, I got to watch a guy do a lap around the auditorium. I was so excited about it. But that was the same service where the lady quit singing her song and started screaming, and that kind of freaked me out. 
It, it really did. And uh, I didn't go to that church for many, many years again after that. And I did go again just so I could take my wife because she'd never been to a crazy camp meeting before. And it was a different piano player. But she, she started screaming, but it was a weird scream that I can't even imitate. It, was, it wasn't the same thing. It wasn't even a horror movie scream. It was a, it was a psycho ward scream. I mean, it was, it was weird. I, I'm not going to try to imitate it. But, you know, here, here's the problem, though. You know, when you start talking about it, when you start maybe even laughing at some of that stuff, you know, where it's certainly crossing the line, a lot of these people tell you, you don't know the Holy Ghost. You don't know the Holy Ghost. Well, I got a problem with that because actually I do know the Holy Ghost. He lives inside of me. I'm indwelt by the Holy Ghost of God, and I've never felt led to do that. You know, I've never felt led to just start screaming. You know, not from anything spiritual. I mean, you know, I did do a pretty interesting scream here one time that people still like to talk about when we were uh, tearing all the carpet and stuff out of here, and I was messing around with that outlet right there, and I got shocked and. You know, when you get electrocuted or shocked, you know, you can't control what you do. And I screamed and it was the, I can imitate, I can recreate that scream, but it hurts my throat when I do it. It just, but it just happened. And everybody loves to make fun of me for that. That wasn't the Holy Ghost. That <laughs> was electricity uh, that was running through my body. And uh, I'll try to imitate that for you after church, you know, when I don't need my voice anymore. Right now, I'll probably lose my voice if I do that. But, you know, what's, what's inside me and what's moving these people in the camp meetings, I'm just going to say this right now, is clearly not the same spirit. Okay? I believe what they are talking about is, in fact, another spirit. And one of us has the wrong spirit. Okay? I'm, I'll say it right now. They would, they would agree with me on this, and I would agree with them that the two of us have a different spirit. One of them's got another spirit. And we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it mentions another spirit. So which one of us has the right spirit? How can we know which one is right? And so let's look at the, some of the differences between our spirit and their spirit. So look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. And this is an important thing right here. It says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know what the Holy our spirit does? Our spirit, it causes us to cry, Abba, Father. Our spirit tells us who our Father is. We, our spirit that we have gives us assurance of our salvation where their spirit causes everyone to doubt their salvation. Half of their preaching they do is like they're trying to convince everybody in their church they're not saved. They're always talking about, you know, if you're doing this, if you're messing in this area, if you're doing this, you're not, you're probably not saved. Why? And they succeed in causing people to doubt their salvation. What is it? What it, the Holy Spirit of God, it causes us to cry, Abba, Father. We don't doubt. The Holy Spirit doesn't make us doubt who our Father is. You know, just like these you know, little boys that we have here, you know, Cameron and Zeke, that as young as they are, you can't carry on a conversation with them yet. Hey, they, they don't talk yet. But let me tell you something those kids know. They know who their mamas and their dadas are. They, they know who they are. You see their face light up. You see, you know, Cameron, he loves me to death. But you know what? He still reacts different to his dad than he does me. 
Why? These kids know who their parents are. They know who mommy and daddy is. It's just in them. It's instinctive. They know who their parents are. There is no doubt. They, they don't know what one plus one is, but they know who mommy and daddy is. And let me tell you something. When you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you know who your father is. And there's something wrong with a bunch of people in church that can't figure out if they're saved or not. Where is that coming from? That's coming from another spirit. Another spirit that they're being taught. Another spirit that's being brought in that service that's causing them to doubt their salvation. And they, they do. When you go to half of these meetings, all, you know, they're, they're, always, they're wanting to see people saved. But you know what? How are you going to get people saved in a church service on a Monday night? Who goes to church on Monday nights? Saved people go to church on Monday nights. All right, You're not going to get people saved on a Monday night, Tuesday night, and especially on the Friday night when you're supposed to be out in the bars drinking if you're of the world. It's going to be saved people that are in churches in those meetings. But we got, you know, we got to have some salvation so we can prove that the Holy Ghost showed up. So what do they do? I mean, they start beating everybody over the heads with all their sins and all their problems that they still have. I mean, you thought a bad thought. You know, you looked at that woman of lust. You did this. You did that. You're probably not really saved. Causing these people to doubt their salvation. And what would make somebody do that? I'll tell you what. Another spirit will do that. The Holy Spirit, it causes us to cry, Abba, Father. We have that security in knowing who our Heavenly Father is. And just like we know, you know, little babies know who their parents are. Uh, even a babe in Christ ought to know who their spiritual father is. And these people's spirit that they're using, that's in their services, it's just got people doubting their salvation all the time. They've got the same people coming up all the time to the altars, getting saved every year at the camp meeting because they messed up the last year. You know, they got caught up in sin again. They failed here. They failed there. And they get up there, coming up there to repent of their sins. They get up there saying, you know, I promise I'm going to turn from this sin. I'm going to turn from that sin so they can be saved. And then what do they do? They leave in the same flesh that they started out in. And guess what ends up happening? They end up struggling. And what needs to happen is a real change needs to be happening. Which I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. And that is that they become a spiritual man, that the Holy Spirit moves inside of them, that they now are a person of faith and they will realize that my hope of salvation is not in my works, but it's in what Jesus Christ did. And if they will have that, they might actually get victory if they will walk in the Spirit. But there is no guarantee of walking in the Spirit. But these people that are coming up and repenting of their sins, they're not even getting saved. So they don't even have the option of walking in the Spirit. They're still walking in the flesh. They're trying to get rid of their sins on their own. And if they're walking in the flesh, you know what? The Bible says you will fulfill the desires of the flesh. It's just a matter of time. They might get some reformation for a little while, for a few weeks, for a few months depending on how many camp meetings they go to, but eventually they're going to go right back to the same junk. You know why? Because they're still in the flesh. And they're going to keep having the same problem every year, coming up, repenting of the sins again, and it's not going to get them saved. They need to just put their faith and trust in Christ. And then if they'll do that, they could actually have the option of walking in the Spirit. So their spirit, it causes you to doubt your salvation. Our spirit causes us to cry, Abba, Father. And... We, we don't struggle with those things like they do in that crowd. Their spirit, it causes you to look at themselves, whoever's preaching, or yourself. But our spirit causes us to look to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 uh, says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down the right hand of the throne of God. What's that talking about? The author and the finisher of our faith. And then it, what does it do? It talks about what Jesus did for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. What does that mean? It means my faith, my salvation, it is based on the work of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to cause myself doubt by looking at myself and looking at my works to prove I'm saved. I'm going to look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the one that wrote it. It was his plan from the beginning. And he is the one that carried it out. I'm going to look to Jesus, but their spirit, it caused you to look at themselves or yourself. Look at uh, John chapter 16. Turn over to John chapter 16, verse 7. This passage greatly gets misused by the camp meeting crowd, especially when they're preaching the famous one they all preach, the no conviction, no conversion heresy. They will completely misuse this. But you, you need to get this. You need to see this. This is so important. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, which we know is the Holy Ghost, will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he was come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And they'll take that verse right there. You know, he's going to reprove the world of sin. He's going to convict you of your sin. He's going to get all over you. He's going to have you cry. He's going to make you feel bad. And some of you, you just went up and you made a little flimsy profession at an altar somewhere and you didn't have any real conviction. You know, so what if you believed on Christ? So what if you acknowledge your sin, you confess your sin to Him? If you weren't convicted, you didn't really get saved because the Holy Ghost comes to reprove the world of sin. And I don't want to re-preach my you know, no conviction, no conversion heresy message. But there's a big... You know, reproving does not necessarily mean convicting. Reproof can be exciting. You know, Sometimes when we get corrected, hey, that's great. I was trying to do things the hard way. And you're telling me there's an easier way? In fact, you're telling me the hard way thing I was doing wasn't going to work, but this simple way will work. I'm going to be happy about that. That's good. That's called good news right there. That's called the gospel. But no, but what they do, they'll stop reading that. He's going to reprove the world of sin. And then they'll go into all this stuff about all these. If you haven't decided to give up this, then they've all got their list of sins that are different. They've all got a different list of sins that the Holy Spirit's going to go after you for. But And it's not the same for any of them. But what's interesting is right here he says that this specific sin that the Holy Spirit's going to reprove the world of, it says, of sin because they believe not on me. Now, why would he pick that sin? Why doesn't he pick up the drinking? Why doesn't he, you know, why doesn't he reprove them of the lack of church attendance? Why isn't it about how they dress? Why isn't it about their smoking or whatever it is? Well, whatever our favorite sin is that we like to pick on that everybody else does. Of gossip. Why is it that specific one of not believing on him? You know why? Because that's the one thing that will get you thrown into hell for sure. Because how do we get saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that, that is the very one that he, that he mentions that the Holy Spirit's going to reprove the world of, of sin because they believe not on me. Not of sin because they keep doing sins. Of, you know, he's going to reprove the world of sin. So they will turn from their sins. You know, that's not what it says. It says he's going to reprove the world of sin because they believe not on me. And then look at the, uh, let's keep reading, of righteousness. 
okay, of righteousness. Because you've got, you've got to be living right. You've got to be doing this. You've got to be doing that. But look what it says. Because so I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judge. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. It looks like when it's talking about righteousness, it starts talking about Jesus. Okay? It starts talking about Jesus. He says, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. So Jesus is not here in the flesh right now. So how can He reprove us and correct us when it comes to righteousness? The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus Christ in God's Word. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus Christ. It's going to talk about His righteousness. Not by our works of righteousness. It's going to talk about His works of righteousness. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 13, How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. The Holy Ghost, he points people to Jesus Christ. That is his job. The Holy Spirit doesn't talk about himself. And what is it that, whenever the you know, Holy Ghost is leading the service in most of these places, what is it that they're is usually going on. It usually means some woman's making a spectacle out of herself. Some woman's getting all the attention in the church, you know, standing up, screaming and going nuts and jumping around. Some guy is making a spectacle of himself, doing a lap around the auditorium. I mean, what is, what's going to happen if somebody gets up here and does a lap around the auditorium? Who's everybody going to look at? They're going to look at the guy doing the lap around the auditorium. If somebody swings from the rafters, we don't have any rafters they can swing from in here. But what do you think we're all going to be paying attention to? We're all going to be paying attention to the guy swinging in the rafters. And then what are the preachers going to get up afterwards and do? Boy, the Holy Ghost is really moving, referring to the antics and the craziness of the people in the service. But the Holy Spirit does not draw the attention to Himself. He points people to Jesus Christ. So that doesn't even make sense. The Holy Ghost points people to Christ, but in the, the Spirit that's going on in these camp meetings... It's pointing people to the Spirit. And that's not what the Holy Ghost does. That's not what our Spirit does, but it is exactly what another Spirit will do. And so, uh, you, know, you know, why do supposed Holy... You know, why is it this, these supposed Holy Ghost preachers spend so much time talking about themselves? Why is it? How come you can go to some of these camp meetings and, you know, at least a half hour of a lot of their sermons is them telling stories about themselves? You know, stories that have improved greatly over the years. I mean, great. And, you know, this is just kind of a side note here. All right. Let me explain an ugly reality to you in the IFB world. All right. Let me confess a fault in the IFB world. You know, I've seen this more than once in my life. Where I've heard a preacher tell a story, okay? I heard him tell a story, and the story was pretty believable that he told. And then another preacher, okay, one of the big guys at a meeting told that preacher's story while he was there. Well, when the big name told the guy's story, he improved a little bit. You know, it's kind of like the telephone game, all right? That happens, okay? You know, when those stories start getting repeated, Sometimes the facts start changing, don't they? But I've seen it when the Pope told that story and improved it. It now became what really happened. Because then, that guy, the next time I would hear that guy tell the story, 
he's telling it the same way the Pope did. It's like, wait, that's not the way you told it the one time. But it's like, once the Pope has declared something truth, it's truth. I mean, I, and it's just like, are you kidding me? You're going to stick with his story now? You, know, you told me it was five people that got saved. He said it was ten people that got saved. Now all of a sudden it's ten just because he said it? You were there! You know, and, and that kind of thing, that kind of thing happens. All right. Now that's called lying. Right? When that, when that really happens. I don't know. And the spirit leads into truth. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But these, these things are, and it's all, it's, they're just bragging on themselves all the time. They got to tell these stories and they're always improving them. How are they going to get the drama in the church? How are they going to get the tears flowing? How are they going to get the altars full? They're not, because they're not relying on the Holy Spirit. They're relying on this other spirit. And the other spirit, I mean, he needs that emotion. He needs that, you know, that emotionalism going. He's got to get the tears flowing. And so they will use some of these crazy tactics. But you know what? The Holy Ghost, he doesn't talk about himself. And he doesn't, he's not going to get preachers talking about themselves. He's going to get them pointing to Jesus Christ. You know, why are these people so focused on their changed life? As though now they measure up to Christ. It, you know, why, is it that, why is it that it always goes back to that? And it, it does. I've been listening to a lot of these preachers and it all goes back to, look at me. Every time. And it's, dis, it's disgusting. You know, they don't eat... You know, I was listening to uh, Tony Hudson, you know, he was talking about that. You know, if you're saying there's got to be a change, you know, and I, I got two words for you. New creature. And I'm listening and I'm thinking, you don't even know what a, the new creature is. And I was discussing this with my wife last night. I was like, I, you know what? Let me tell you, Bible colleges have failed our preachers of today. They have failed them miserably. They know nothing about theology. A lot of these big names, a lot of these camp meetings where they hardly teach any Scripture at all. They hardly use any Scripture. It's all about slogans. They have driven slogans into our head. And we, I mean, we have been brainwashed into bad doctrine that does not make sense. And they don't even know what the new creature is. And you, I mean, it's hard to hear a camp meeting message where they don't go to 2 Corinthians 5.17 and start talking about the new creature. And they don't even know what the new creature is. They have no idea what it is. And I just, you know, I, I wish I could just stop these people when they say it. It's like, time out! Alright? And I won't ever do that because I don't want y'all doing that to me in front of everybody. But it's like, time out! Explain to me what the new creature is. Because what do they do? If you, you'll, they'll start picking on their favorite sins. If you're still doing them, you're not saved because all things have become new. All things! Well, is it all things or is it some things? Because if you're talking about a person's behavior, if the all things is someone's behavior, then how come all their behavior is not new? Did anybody lose, you know, did anybody's bad temper just go away when they got saved? Did anybody's addictions just magically disappear when they got saved? Did anybody all of a sudden never think an impure thought anymore? If it, I thought all things become new. You know, you didn't change on those things. I got two words for you. New creature. You must not even be saved. Is that what that's talking about? Absolutely not. These people have no idea what the new creature even is. You know, go, turn over to Galatians chapter 6. Turn to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 12. Let's, let's look at another phrase in the Bible. They don't ever bring this one up where it has two words, new creature, and see what it says. <clears throat> you know, you just got a new creature. And, and everybody knows what that means at a camp meeting. They just want every argument. 
You know, when they're out there trying to prove that everybody in there is not saved, we got to get somebody to come up and get saved so this meeting looks successful. All right, you know, all they got to do is find somebody's sin. All right, you know, you know, look pretty good. Uh, well, you know, one of y'all there, you're not, you're wearing too much makeup. Paint your face like Jezebel. You know, I got two words for you: new creature. You know, I mean, they got to find something. We got to get that lady with all the makeup to get up here and get saved. You know, we got to find somebody doing something wrong. Because, you know, we got to get somebody saved. They don't even know what the new creature is. And look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cause of Christ. Now, what was the circumcision? That was a part of that Old Testament law they were supposed to keep. All right. That was a work that they were supposed that they were supposed to do. They are saying if, you know, they they're, they're trying to get you to keep one of the works of the law, making it a part of salvation. In Acts, we see that there were some of these Judaizers that came in there teaching that they must keep the works of the law in order to be saved. And they put a stop to that. And they said, that is not true. It is not about keeping the works of the law. They fought that battle way back then. And they won that battle. But you know, we're still fighting that battle today. People are still trying to force it on us. Why do people want to bring up works of the law? So they can glory in the flesh. Guess what work of the law I'm keeping now, folks? Guess which work of the law I didn't used to keep that law, but now I do keep that law, and I'm and, you know, and I'm proves I'm saved because of it. And if you're not doing it, you're not saved. You know, I think all you have to do to be a camp the only requirement for being a camp meeting preacher is a good southern accent. That's all that's all you gotta have. And y'all know I love southern accents, and I'm not down on these people. Let's keep reading verse thirteen. It says, For neither they themselves who are circumcised, keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Now, I know this is talking about a specific sin right here, or a specific work right here. This is talking about a very specific work. But let me tell you, the principle applies across the board and the exact same thing is happening. These guys that get up and they're telling everybody they're not saved because of the specific law that they are not keeping, they're not keeping the law either. When Tony Hudson's up there screaming, no creature, he's not keeping the law either. He's a sinner too. There's plenty of things, and I won't bring up his sins that I can tell he commits just by looking at them. I won't bring, I'm not going to bring those things up. But you know what? He's going to try to get, you know, and, and, and I, I am all for preaching against sin, but you don't make it a part of salvation. You know, keeping, keeping these laws. But why do they do that? We got to get everybody in our church living this way, looking this way, dressing this way, so we can glory in your flesh. Look at my people. Look at my church. Look at how well-dressed they are. Look at how conservative we are. And it, it gives us opportunity to glory in the flesh. And you know what? That's great. If we're, if we're doing a lot of these things, if we look great, if we've got all this stuff going for us, great. But guess what? We're still sinners too, and we're not keeping the law. Hey, we are not keeping the law. We are dependent on God's mercy and God's grace. We're getting saved because Jesus Christ did the work. But look at verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy upon the Israel of God. Okay, so what is that new creature? That new creature is the spiritual man. 
the spiritual man, one whose sins are not imputed unto them. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seventeen. Therefore, everybody, every camp meeting preacher's favorite verse. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled himself, us to himself, by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That new man, that new creature, that is a spiritual man, that is now alive inside of us, and that spiritual man is that new creature. And because we have that spiritual man inside of us, because we are that new creature, our sins that we do in our flesh, they are not imputed unto us. It doesn't mean we don't sin in the flesh anymore. Because we do. We still have this old flesh, but we've got something new. We've got a new creature. It's that spiritual man that lives inside us. And that spirit, that spiritual man doesn't sin. Okay? This flesh sins. This flesh can't stop from sinning. And that's like why the Apostle Paul talked about his vile body. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? What was he talking about? He was talking about his flesh. His old flesh. The new creature was the spiritual man that became alive when he was born again. When we were born again, we became a new creature. We became a spiritual man. But this creature is still here too, isn't it? But thank God, our sins are not imputed unto us. Why? Because of the new creature. And notice back there in Galatians, when it says, and as many as walk according to this rule, What rule is that? One who's keeping all the laws to prove that they're saved or to be saved? No, it's talking about those whose faith is in Jesus Christ. Because in Christ Jesus, circumcision or uncircumcision availeth anything. But a new creature, that person who has put their faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ, that that's proof of their salvation, that's where they got their salvation, that person, you know what the Bible says? Peace be unto them and mercy. You know what? I can be at peace. You know what I can do? I can. I have that spirit in me that cries, Abba, Father. I know who my father is. I have no doubt. I have no doubt about who my father is. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I don't have to doubt that I'm on my way to heaven. If I mess up, if I get overtaken in a fault, if I sin, I have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Not me, the righteous. Jesus Christ. That right there, my friends, is what our spirit talks about. That is what our spirit points to. And one of the things that, I mean, I, I hope I don't do this. I try not to do this. But, you know, I don't, want, I don't want to just get up and talk about myself all the time. And, you know, use comparisons of me. And if I'm trying to get you to stop doing something wrong that I think is wrong, I want to show you from the scriptures where it's wrong. But have these preachers, I've never done this, I haven't done this, you know, and you shouldn't either. Well, congratulations. But you know what? How about we don't do it because that's what the Bible says we shouldn't do? Why don't you show me where the scripture is on that? You know, why don't you, you know, why don't you, why don't we do those things? Why don't we obey the scriptures so we can please the Holy Spirit, whereby we are sealed under the day of redemption? So we're not grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Don't make it about getting saved and getting into heaven. All you're going to do is you're going to confuse people. And so these people, they don't know who the new creature is. The new creature is a person who is of faith, 
whose sins are not imputed unto him. That's what a person, if you're the seed of Abraham, if you're, because you're of faith, like Abraham, has nothing to do with you in the flesh, where you descend from, and it has nothing to do with your works, it has everything to do with your faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Way before he ever offered to try to sacrifice his son Isaac. So their spirit, and this is, this is the whole problem. This is what's going on. This is, I, I've said this for years. You know, false doctrine, I think, is birthed at camp meetings. And I, I really do. These guys, they just get all excited and they start saying stuff. And man, people are running the aisles. It must be right. And it's like now they're locked into it. You know, they've ran their mouth about it so much that they're locked into this now. But their spirit leads into doctrinal error, but our spirit leads into all truth. John 16, 13, we looked at it earlier. It says, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. And see, this is what's interesting. When I watch these videos of the Holy Spirit moving in churches, I mean, every time it's either false doctrine that's being preached or a song is being sung that involves glorying in the flesh or a song of false doctrine. The one where the guy jumps in the baptistry. Hey, what's the guy singing? When tribulation enters, I'll be gone. No, you won't. Alright? No, you won't. That's not right. He's thinking about how we're not going to be here for tribulation. And everybody's, run, everybody's running around and jumping. A guy's doing a somersault on the platform and jumping into the baptistry. That's the Holy Ghost right there. Why would the Holy Ghost get them all excited when a guy's singing something that's not even true? Why is that? You know why? Because it's another spirit. It's another spirit doing that. And you do, you lift, you watch these services where everybody's going bonkers. It's almost always false doctrine. When the guy's swinging from the, the, the rafters, you know, and, and not all these songs are bad, okay? There's nothing wrong with singing about and being excited about, you know, what God does in your life. And when a person gets saved and they walk in the Spirit, it will change your life if you walk in the Spirit. And you will get victory. But, you know, at the same time, these people, when it's, it's the songs that's about them and their changed life when they start spazzing out. It's not when it's talking about Jesus Christ and what He's done. It's talking about their changed life. That's when the women start screaming. That's when the guys are swinging from the chandeliers or rafters. You know, that's when the guys are doing the somersaults and all of those things and running the aisles every time. And that, my friend, the Holy Spirit is not going to do it. The Holy Spirit, He's not going to get you excited when I'm up here preaching false doctrine. The Holy Spirit's going to do some signs like, that's not right. And I've been there before in services before. But I, could, I didn't know the Scripture exactly, but I heard that preach. I'm like, something's wrong. And, I, and there's been times, sometimes I know exactly what's wrong. I mean, the Scripture's right there, but there's been other times I've had to leave that service and I've had to go back and look at my Bible and the Holy Spirit has led me to the Scripture and shown me, yeah, He was wrong. But you know what? Even when I didn't know the Scripture, I knew something was wrong. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to lead you into all truth. But these people, their doctrine is so messed up it's so whacked out. It's so sloppy. They barely use any Scripture at all. You know why? Because it's not led of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not going to lead you into preaching false doctrine. Look what it says in uh, chapter 14, verse 25 of John. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit, he, He's going to help us remember Scripture. He's going to lead us into truth. Their spirit just leave, give, I mean, leaves them full of error and doctrine. And when you try to correct these people, 
When you try to tell them, hey, your doctrine is wrong, you don't know what I've experienced. I don't care what you've experienced. I know what the Bible says. You know what they're saying? They're following their spirit. You weren't there when this Holy Ghost moved and came into our service and what, how the Lord worked in that service. I'm sorry, my friend. That was another spirit that led that service. And I know that because the Holy Spirit will not lead to doctrinal error. Now listen, nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect in their doctrine. Nobody's perfect. But if you are led of the Spirit, you're, if somebody's led of the Spirit, you're going to see them fixing doctrine when they're corrected. Okay? No, nobody's nobody's going to be perfect on that. But you will see them fix it. These people, when you try to correct them on their doctrine, they spaz out. They, they'll go nuts on you. I mean, you start seeing the demon, you know, go to this inside of them, go into work when you try to correct them on that. The whole, if, if, so a person, though, who does have the Holy Spirit, who is in error, the Holy Spirit is not going to lead them to jump in a baptistry out of excitement of, over something that is doctrinally wrong. That's just not, that's not how it works. It makes no sense at all. And that's what I always try to do I, when I'm watching these things. You know, I'm interested. You know, hey, if that's Holy Spirit, if it's Holy Spirit stuff, I want in on it. If it's of the Holy Ghost, I want in on it. So I'm watching this and I'm, I'm trying to discern. I'm trying to figure it out. And most people, they like to focus on the behavior. They like to focus on the crazy antics. But you know what? You've got to focus on the doctrine. What was just, what's being taught? What's being sung about that's driving these people? And it's error every time. Error after error. And so, look at what it says in John 16, verse 8. So their spirit, it teaches a false gospel, but our spirit... Uh, it preaches the true gospel. John 16, verse 8 uh, says, And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on Me. What is the gospel? What do, what do we, how do we teach people to get saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What do we do? We talk about the work of Jesus. We talk about His death, burial, and resurrection. That's what we talk about. We talk about putting your faith and trust in Him. What do these guys teach about at the camp meetings? Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins. You better start going to church. You know, you got that, that's what they, they're preaching a false gospel. The Holy Spirit is going to lead people to the true gospel. That is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the salvation by faith without works. That's what it teaches. Their salvation or their gospel teaches, you know, a faith plus works or they'll say a faith without works, but if you really got it, you're going to do the works. That's how, that's how the Baptists spin it. Alright? They, they spin it that way. But that's not what the Bible teaches. What they're teaching is a false gospel. When you teach a faith without works, but works will come later, you know what you're teaching people to do? You're, teaching, you're just basically telling people you put your faith and trust in what God does now and you do later. Listen, it's what Jesus Christ has already done and that's it. That's what we put our faith in. What Jesus Christ has already done, not on what He's done and what we do. Okay, That's faith and works. And that's what these people are teaching. It is a false gospel. And so their spirit also, it encourages completely different behavior than our spirit. Look what it says in Acts 2 and verse 4. Acts 2 verse 4 says, And when they were 
all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? Now, this was a miracle here that happened. And we obviously don't believe in speaking in tongues. And the camp meeting crowd doesn't believe in speaking in tongues. Although I've heard them get so excited before and so loud and so riled up before, I couldn't tell if they were speaking English or speaking in another tongue. I listened to a guy at that same meeting where the guy did the lap around the auditorium. I, I'm not lying. I had no idea what that guy was saying when he was preaching. I had, he was screaming so much. I couldn't understand hardly anything he was saying. But the thing is, and one of the reasons too I couldn't understand it was everybody was shouting so much. And I remember as a kid sitting there and thinking, all right, what he's saying must be good. Everybody's shouting. But I'm like, how, how do they know what he's saying is good? Everybody's screaming. You know, but I'm not kidding. I couldn't make out what he was saying. But no, notice here, though, when the, they got filled with the Holy Ghost, what are they doing? They're preaching the gospel. They're preaching the gospel. That was all. Do you see anywhere in Acts where they're running around? Do you see any somersaults, any cartwheels, any acrobats? You know, do, do you see do you see anybody passing out? Anything like that? No. They're speak, They're preaching as the Spirit gave them utterance. He's causing them to speak. It's causing them to give the gospel. Ephesians 6.18. Paul, Paul speaking here. He says, Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the Spirit of the gospel. Paul talked about praying. He talked about, you know, it, talked about praying in the Spirit. He's like, I want to get in the Spirit. You know why he wanted to get in the Spirit? So he would open his mouth boldly. So he would have utterance. So he would be speaking the gospel to people and, and that he would do it with boldness. Why do these people want to get filled with the Holy Ghost? So they can have a good time. Oh, wasn't it good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Oh, man, the Holy Spirit really showed up. You know, Sister Gertrude passed out. You know, Brother Lonnie did four laps around the auditorium tonight. You know, whoo, this is good stuff right here. You know, Holy Ghost... And not only not only did the Holy Ghost not show up, nobody even preached the right gospel in that entire service. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you are going to open your mouth and you're going to be preaching somewhere. And you know what? We see in the Bible, we're not going to take time to go there, in Corinthians, whatever preaching is going on, it's supposed to be one person at a time. Okay? We're not going to get up here and have four of us preaching at the same time. You know what that will cause? That will cause confusion. So how are we going to get, you know, we got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. We're in service, right? You know, we got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, yeah, you got to get filled with the Holy Ghost so you can go out there and tell somebody how to get saved. But that's not what they do. They don't have any soul winning at these camp meetings. They're down on soul winning at these camp meetings. They, they talk about a screen door evangelist. They don't think these people we're witnessing to are really getting saved because they're not repenting of their sins and going to church and doing all the works. Because they don't get the glory in their flesh. Because they're not getting their tithe. They don't think they're saved because of all those things. And so, the, you know, the greatest danger of what this camp meeting crowd is teaching and promoting, it is a complicated gospel. Is what it is. You can't get a clear gospel from these people. This is the job of another spirit. Another spirit is going to preach a complicated gospel. That's what it said in 2 Corinthians 11. He was worried about them getting corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And that other spirit, that is what they use to sell the other gospel and the other Jesus. 
And that's exactly what is happening with these people. They are promoting another Jesus and another gospel. You're not going to hear a clear plan of salvation from that crowd. You're not going to hear a focus. You see them focusing on Jesus. You know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear a big list of rules that you'll never break if you get saved. You'll listen to them tell a bunch of stories about their changed life. Don't be deceived by that. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Oh, those are the Catholics and the Methodists. Why would the devil bypass the Baptist? What in the first place you would try to get false prophets is in the one place that's preaching the true gospel? Wouldn't that be the first place you would go? He doesn't need to waste. The Catholics are so far away from the truth. They're, all, they're already taken care of as far as the devil's concerned. You know, the Methodists, all of them, they're, they're already taken care of. You know where he's in the business of sending false prophets today? It's in Baptist churches. In independent, fundamental, King James-only, Bible-believing Baptist churches. He, he sent them in there, and you know what they're doing? They're preaching another gospel. They're preaching another Jesus. And it's getting promoted with another spirit. And you know what? That spirit that's running those services, we're going to keep that spirit out of this service. And that doesn't mean you can't ever get excited. You can't shout an amen. But look, what ought to get you excited is truth. The true gospel. You know, good doctrine ought to get you excited. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you know what it ought to make you do? It should make you run your mouth while I'm preaching and you know, shouting and making a lot of noise. It's going to cause you to make a bunch of noise out there to your co-workers and to your neighbors and in this community. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to make you do. And you'll never see it happen in, in these crowds out there. It doesn't happen with that Spirit. And all they want to talk about when they get done, it's not Jesus Christ. They want to talk about them. They want to talk about their changed life. They want to talk about their good time that they had. Listen, it's fun. It's entertaining to watch big fat guys do laps around the auditorium. It is. It would be fun to watch a guy do a somersault on the platform and jump on the baptistry. It's fun. I've seen this many times watching preachers do cartwheels. I've seen that many times. By the same preacher every time. I've never seen him preach without him doing a cartwheel. Holy Spirit's never led me to do a cartwheel. I can do not a very good one. Not as good as this guy. I can do a cartwheel. I've never been led to do a cartwheel in the service. If the Holy Spirit ever leads me to do it, I'll do it. But it, it just hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. And it happens to them every time. Every time they preach. And I don't, I don't know. I think, I think we got another spirit going on here. And let us not accept any counterfeits. Let us understand there are many false prophets. This is not a rare... It's all over the place. And we were warned. We should know better. And so I hope that was helpful. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. And Lord, just the, the, the simplicity of the Gospel. Lord, how clear the Bible is. Lord, I pray You'll help us to stay in the Scriptures. Lord, help us to try the Spirit. Help us not just to believe everything we hear. Help us not to just... Listen to every guy that's wearing a suit and tie and carrying a King James Bible. But I just pray, Lord, that we will be in touch with the Holy Spirit, that we will be led of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, and I, I know you'll help us to see truth in those situations. And you'll help us to, to know when we're here in false doctrine. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be filled with the Spirit. Or not so we'll have a bunch of you know, fun in church and uh, a bunch of, not so we can have just a bunch of excitement here, Lord, but so we'll go leave this place and we will open our mouths 
and spread the gospel. And I pray you'll do great things as a result of it. In your name we pray. Amen.